with Reiki, people are using symbols and attunements and waiting for the energy to pick up. With quantum touch, we bring it. We bring it through specific breathing and body awareness exercises. We lift that vibration inside of us, and we're doing it the entire time. With Reiki, you're waiting. You're, you're not working. We're working. We're, and so the idea is if you can raise your vibration high enough, the other person in your field, their vibration will rise too to match your vibration. They, they call that resonance and entrainment. And by doing that, your body and spiritual intelligence utilizes the energy to its best advantage. We like to think that the healer is the one who was sick and got well, and a great healer is someone very sick who got well quickly. You're helping them raise their own energy to do their own self-healing. Hmm. Okay. Um, and, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, I am a believer in this, you know, more or less. Uh, you know, I tend to mm-hmm. have my, my skeptical side, uh, but, you know, I, I, you know, have friends who are Reiki masters and, uh, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. I mean, I, I understand that energy healing uh, is hard for some people to believe in, uh, although I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in this new show that I'm uh, watching occasionally on television i believe it's called the healer and it seems like from what he uh the guy on tv uh is Mm -hmm. saying and uh from what some of your materials uh that came from your publicist is saying that this uh this type of healing is actually uh gaining credibility in uh you know in, in, in the normal I'm using the word normal, but you know, in the in the regular fields of medicine, or, or more doctors actually uh, putting some faith in this, and it's um, and well, in, in actually prescribing it. There's, I you know, think as, as, as complementary hospi- medicine. I think there's about 35 hospitals that are using energy healing right now, and that number is just going to grow over the next few years, or the next many years. Um, I have a vision for the year 2040 that's really outlandish. And that's by the year 2040 that this work is utilized in every hospital, taught in every school, and researched at every university. This is fundamental information that would change our basic beliefs about reality and would empower people to not feel so helpless in regards to their own health and well-being may not be a skill that everybody wants to use as a profession, and I don't think it's, there's that many who really are drawn to live that kind of life. But for five or ten days a year, it's probably the most valuable skill that you know because you're going to be able to relieve the suffering of loved ones. And what's that worth? Right, right, absolutely. Well, um, well, Richard, tell me how did uh, how did you get into this? How did you de- how did you discover you had this talent? And um, uh, you know, f- fill us in. Yeah, uh, it was not intentional, if I can put it that way. Um, it was when I was about twenty four. I had a lot of health conditions. Uh, I had intestinal problems, breathing problems, skin problems. So I went to a doctor. That seemed like a reasonable idea. And he said, yeah, you got a lot of problems, but nothing bad enough to treat yet. Why don't you come back when you're worse? And then we'll treat you. And I thought, well, that's the worst advice I ever had in my life. So I went to a holistic health school. I learned about something called polarity therapy. 
I wrote a book on the subject. And just before the book came out in 1978, that's 40 years ago, the book came out. So I've been at this for a long time. Um, I learned, I, I went to this workshop by this older gentleman who was able to not just do the kinds of healing I would have imagined, but he was just touching people and the bones were rolling back into alignment within seconds before my eyes. And I thought he had a rare gift and no one else was ever going to be able to learn it. Certainly not me, but he was doing things, a whole lot of things that I just never even imagined we could do. And I apprenticed with him, took over in his retirement and ended up writing a book called quantum touch, the power to heal that's in 17 languages now. And we got certified practitioners in over 50 countries doing this work. So that was quite the beginning where my first session that I received took me from feeling my worst to my best in an hour. And I was hooked at that point. And there was a part of me that was always looking for something that I could give to the world that would be really valuable that wasn't well known. And this, that completely fit those internal desires that I had to, to serve in some way that was helpful. And the evolution of the work has led to five significant breakthroughs up to this point. And now I feel like I'm so far ahead of the curve that I've got to get a lot of research to back this up now because the observations are self-evident to anybody willing to stand still and look. And yet it's so far outside the box. Most people find a difficult time believing that this could even be, you know, this could even be true. Gotcha. All right. So, so let's go back just a little bit, and I want to work up to the five breakthroughs. Um, sure. First of all, when you described your mentor, um, I want to make sure I understood what you were saying. Um, I mean, a lot of this energy work, you know, we either we can't see it, we have to, you know, feel it if we're the one being worked on. But were you, what you were saying, um, you were, he he was. Moving bones? Um, is is yeah, that let's, what you... Let's go into that. Yeah. My girlfriend okay. invited me to this workshop, and I didn't know anything about this guy. He had never taught a workshop before. He'd been practicing for over 20 years, and he never taught anybody how to do his thing. And this was his first time. And so my girlfriend gets up in the front of the room. We're all looking at the bones in her, in her back. She had a major scoliosis. And Bob Rasmussen, the, the older gentleman, said, well, I just touch people and the bones move back to alignment. And he just touches the cranial bones. And one thumb was much higher than the other when he lifted up on the base of the cranium. And within two seconds, they had rolled back into alignment. Then he put his hands on her hips. And you could see, like with a scoliosis, one hip is massively higher than the other. And he just touched her and it just rolled as if, you know, just just floated back to alignment. Then he went up and down her spine for about 10 minutes and about half of her scoliosis straightened out. And my jaw was on the floor. I couldn't believe my eyes. And yet here, this thing had just happened. I assumed he had a rare gift. No one was going to learn it. And certainly not me, but I did learn it and I taught it and no one failed at being able to move bones back into alignment with a light touch I used to offer that as a money-back guarantee on, the wor- on my workshops. On the first day of the workshop, before lunch break, everybody can move bones into alignment. And, and now we're talking, yeah, that, we're talking beyond chiropractic. 
we're talking beyond well, chiropractic adjustments, right? Yes, only because chiropractors use force. And I've shown chiropractors this in my workshops, and their jaws on the floor, and they're one, I've had some funny stories in that regard. But what happens is when they realize they can actually do something they didn't think they can do and do it without any force, they're very excited. And so that is a visible thing that we can show in seconds, and I'll take that much further later on in the conversation. <clears throat> but most 99% of the work is not about moving bones. It's about bringing down pain, bringing down inflammation, accelerating the healing process, and that's what almost everybody's concerned about. But I have chosen to be fascinated with the visible aspect of it because it illustrates things that we didn't know about reality itself. And so we'll talk about that later, but right now, yeah. um, what we know, the energy healing part. Okay, and and the effect. I, I'm curious about that. I mean, um, uh, when someone, let's just say, let's call it a treatment, when someone has a treatment, um, is the effect permanent or it's the kind of thing that they have to keep? And forgive my language, okay, because I don't know what, what other language to use. Do yeah, they have to continue to keep coming back for an adjustment to maintain All this right. new level of of healing, or uh, or All they right. you know or, or they healed uh, for good. It, it totally depends on the condition that they're bringing into it, because as I said a moment ago, the healer is the one who was sick and got well, and sometimes you know if they got a bad burn or something, and you run the energy and the pain disappears very quickly, and it doesn't you know, blister or scar or anything. You know, that's great. That's all they needed. For other conditions, there's a whole spectrum. And sometimes it isn't even what they need. Sometimes the energy healing is not what's required. And we'll talk about that later and why that happens, because that's also quite fascinating. The bottom line is, in terms of the structural alignment, um, as far as the hips and the occiput go, there's a new technique, like new in the last nine or ten years, I should say, that causes a permanent alignment in two seconds, and it works on everybody. And that's okay. It's as simple as that's just like a miracle thing. And I'm going to be showing that uh, in April at the Science of Consciousness conference. I'm going to be demonstrating okay. that to all the scientists there, and that's going to blow their minds because they don't believe that's possible. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So did you want to, well, I, I want to definitely get into the intersection of science and spirituality, but, you know, I want to have oh, yeah. a little bit more con- context for, uh, you know, for what it is you do. I, I mean, I wonder if you yeah. can describe some of your experiments. All right. Well, let's go, let's, let's start with the energy healing part of it. We did an experiment recently where we had practitioners from around the world giving a one-hour session to people with high levels of pain from fibromyalgia, arthritis, and accidents. And everybody had high levels to begin with. What was really fascinating was not just that it brought their pain down on average over 67%, which is really good. The thing that I Mm -hmm. thought was most impressive was 100% of the participants, I mean 100% of the of the participants, and 100% of the 50 pain conditions they presented had uh, relief. 
say the pain went down on 100% of the conditions. Now, that's so far beyond what a placebo could do. Um, you know, that, that's quite remarkable. So what we see is that this is something that ordinary people can do for one another to help bring down the pain very quickly. And we see it as one of the solutions to stop the opioid epidemic because if people could mm-hmm. get pain relief without drugs, then they wouldn't have to take as much. You know, maybe if people take a small percentage of the drugs, they wouldn't become addicted. So that's right. one of the avenues. Most, most of the people who are using quantum touch, as I said, are interested in pain and accelerating the healing process. Somebody's got the flu and you help them get better faster, that kind of stuff. Now, but what about what about the person that has has cancer or something yeah, much more exactly. serious? Yeah. Well, we had an oncologist write us an amazing letter, and because he doesn't want to get in trouble, what he talked about was seven or eight major benefits of quantum touch for his patients, and he listed it. It it reduces their pain. It improves their mood. It brings down their inflammation, it does this, it does that, it cre- increases their energy, improves their appetite. He said everything but it cures the cancer, which is great because you can't make those kind of claims. But you do understand that if you're improving their attitude and their energy and their emotions and their, and their feelings of well-being, you know their body's healing itself at an accelerated pace. Is that all they need? Maybe not but it's a step in the right direction. So what we're doing is we're raising the energy and allowing their body to be involved in an accelerated healing process. And that's the story. We can't, there's over 50,000 conditions, so I can't intelligently speak about many of them because there's too many. And we have the research yet because it's, it's right. time-consuming, it's expensive, and you guarantee that it's going to be ignored when it's published right? because if it isn't going to make people a lot of money, there's not a lot of motivation to study it. Right. So do you think, uh, I mean, and I, and, you know, based on what you just described, um, Mm -hmm. if you, if, if you had to guess, or maybe, you know, um, do you think the quantum touch was actually maybe improving um, the person's uh, immune system? You know, I mean, actually fighting the cancer cells. I mean, will we get to the point where maybe quantum touch takes the place of chemotherapy kind of a thing? I, I don't. I think there'll be other things that take the place of chemotherapy. There's some immune factors they're doing where they're changing uh, uh, viruses that could attack cancer. And I think that might be uh, a really fantastic avenue. I think that quantum touch will become an adjunct to other less invasive and less toxic therapies that exist. I don't know how far it's going to go, but I don't think it's the full solution. I don't want to exaggerate or underplay what we have here. What we have is is a basic human skill that empowers us to do sometimes quite miraculous things. Is it the full answer? I don't think so, but it's a spectacular answer that helps babies be born helps people die in peace. It, it does many kinds of things. It's not everything. And there are situations where it won't work. 
maybe 10% of the time, we're not going to get a good result with it um, because well, there's another well, level of healing. Bit. You, that, that, that sort of just piques my curiosity. What sort of situations does it not heal in or does it depend on the individual? Yeah. Yes, it totally depends on the individual and the situation. A lot of times you can relieve symptoms, but it's not going to be enough to maybe take care of the problem, as you say, where the person would have to keep coming back. Um, it's, it's when there's an emotional issue. I had one, one of our top teachers uh, notice that she always had this hip pain. The hip pain never went away. Once you get a quantum touch session, it'll be good for five days, which is pretty good analgesically, but it didn't handle the hip problem. She attended another workshop that I taught. It's one of the breakthroughs. I call it self-created health. It teaches people how to find and release the emotional causes of conditions. So she releases, she discovers what the specific emotion is behind the hip. She processes the emotion and the hip pain is gone and never comes back. Another friend was, you know, having sciatica pain and she couldn't sleep at night. She was in intense pain. And, you know, I ran energy using quantum touch and it did not do the job. It didn't even relieve her at all, which is unusual. So we sat down for 10 minutes. And we figured out what the emotional cause was. I gave her some homework. She processed the emotion and she sleeps like a baby. It's, it's, hmm. You see, if tool number one doesn't work, you go to tool number two. And I believe right. in using right. all the tools that you have available and, and doing things and becoming effective. So now with your two books, and I want to say the titles again, you've got Quantum Touch, The Power to Heal, and The Secret Nature of Matter. Um, Mm -hmm. In one of those, does it talk about, um, you know, delving into what maybe the source, you know, the emotional source of the problem is that helps you, I'm just going to say, you know, clear the energy toward relieving the pain? Well, no, that book is in, in process now, and I actually have four books out at this point. Uh, first one was uh, Your Healing Hands, The Polarity Experience, and the third one was uh, Quantum Touch 2.0, The New Human, outlining some new human abilities. The process that teaches people how to find emotional cause is called self-created health, and we have that available um, where people can take workshops. You can learn about it on our website at quantumtouch.com. And that book has been many years in the making, but it's, it's in process right now. So that will be a while before it's ready. Gotcha. Well, this is, uh, this is very exciting. And I guess I wonder, where do you think the, um, the source of the energy for this is, is coming from? I, I'm not sure if that sounds like a logical question, but um, I, I feel like I want to ask you, you know, where's the – you know, what's the source? All right. So we're all alive, and we all have what the Chinese call chi and the Japanese call ki and the yogis call prana. This is the life force energy, the animating current of life. We all have access to this. And there are breathing and body awareness exercises we can do to raise our vibration, to create a field. And anything within the field can match that field of vibration. And so we raise our vibration, let the other person raise their vibration so that it creates an acceleration in that healing. So the source is ultimately that we're spiritual beings and we're accessing a spiritual energy to accelerate the healing process 
well-being, emotional balance, and so forth. Now, sometimes, like I say, that is not enough, and we need to find and process the emotional causes, and that's, you know, the other level of it. Okay. Um, well, uh, I was curious about something you called the subatomic God stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, this, this is going to require a little background because it would, it's a few breakthroughs to get between where we are right now and what that means. It turns out that I saw Bob Rasmussen, that teacher of mine, touching my friend with scoliosis and moving the bones. About 10 years ago, I found out that I could align people's hips and occiput by meditating without even touching. And that was the big insight that led me to my last, my previous book, uh, Quantum Touch 2.0, The New Human. And then I discovered that I could, well, it's, it's kind of a long story, but a friend told me that if you make a movie of yourself doing a healing session, people watching the movie <laughs> may receive some healing. And I said, that's very hard for me to believe. And he said, test it. So I made a selfie movie of me meditating and had people watch it, and it caused an alignment to occur. And I was shocked. And then I made another discovery that I could meditate on any kind of physical object, glass, plastic, rubber, paper, pebble, uh, anything, water, you name it. And all matter seemed equally able to hold energy and intention. And so I speculated that all matter is made of subatomic God stuff. Very technical term. But it means that if everything in our reality is able to hold intention and energy, and by touching somebody with a charged object, it causes their body to untwist instantly, then it suggests that everything is spiritual. Hmm. So how do you, for instance, how do you know, let's just say a coffee cup, how do you know, uh, I mean, how do you know for sure that a coffee cup um, is infused with intention? You can't, unless you have a specific test. And I came up with one specific test. You know, I play golf. The golf ball is either on the green or it's in the hole. There is no ambiguity about it. No one debates whether it's in the hole or not. It's absolutely one or the other. Well, it's exactly like that. If you are good at measuring a person's hips, you roll your fingers up the sides till they come over the top of the pelvic bone, you have your eyes level with your fingers, and if one side's two or three inches higher than the other, you know it instantly. If it aligns, you know that instantly. Now, if that coffee right. cup has been infused with energy and tension, and you touch somebody or hand it to somebody with the intention of causing the alignment, and it doesn't cause the alignment, well, it's not charged. And if it does, it is. That's how you know. But there is nothing about the physicality of a charged object that scientists are going to be able to weigh, measure, or see because we're dealing with a spiritual energy that is not physical. And that's a very difficult concept for the material scientists to contend with because they right. are making a massive assumption that the only things that are real can be measured or put into a formula. 
And if things that are real, like love, compassion, gratitude, etc., can't be measured or quantified, then it kind of breaks apart their view of reality. Okay. So, all right. Uh, consider, you know, me and all my listeners, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of in the kindergarten of quantum touch and this whole idea of, 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 of the secret nature of matter. Um, mm-hmm. Spoon feed us and tell us um, how does, you know, how does this change our perception of reality? Um, you know, what benefits could, I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, we could heal, I mean, how will that make us look at the world differently, if that makes sense? Well, let's, let's start what? with the very basic idea that belief shapes our attitudes. Attitudes determine our thoughts and feelings. And our thoughts and feelings determine all our choices and decisions. If you change a core belief, you are changing everything in your reality. We live in a world right now of materialism, where people think that you know, accumulating stuff is what life is all about. And they kind of believe in spirituality, but it's very vague. But when spirituality becomes real, when it becomes understandable or or present, tangible, in a, in a more direct kind of way, when pe- I'll go ahead and put it another way, more, more directly, when people realize that their love actually has impact on the people they care about and people they send it to, it isn't just wishful thinking or, or some positive woo that some peddlers are putting out there, but it's a real thing. It would change all our priorities. If, if our priorities shift and we realize the value of our love and compassion, there could never be a hungry child in the world. It's impossible. We could never have hungry people. We could never have people having waterborne diseases. We couldn't have massive poverty because our priority wouldn't allow that to be. So what I'm showing is that love is real and that our priorities have been poorly chosen. So, all right, so let's, let's sort of take that a step further. Um, all right, so, so let's say we can infuse our lives with love. Let's use love. And, and the people that we come in contact with, um, I guess I'm, I, you know, maybe I'm thinking about these, you know, uh, you know, these, these times when, you know, we, we've, uh, you know, everybody across the, the land was supposed to like, you know, meditate at a particular time and, you know, that, you know, they're supposed to like raise consciousness. I guess I'm wondering if somehow this can be used to, um, for people we don't know, I mean, like the people who are filled with fear, the people that are filled with hate, um, you know, uh, you know how? I mean, can we affect those people as well um, as, as the ones that are close to us that we can actually touch? We have an impact in ways that we can scarcely imagine. Now, let me bring up that vision that I had for the year 2040. Imagine, if you will that every university in the world is studying something they didn't believe was possible years before, not many years before, and making widespread discoveries about 
the impact of this. What if all the children are learning how to use this skill and every single hospital is utilizing it? We had, we had one nurse uh, working on post-surgical pain patients, and the doctor said, you have to stop doing that on our patients. And she said, why? And she said, we can no longer predict how much pain medication to give them because they didn't <laughs> need it for the most part. When we realize that our love is powerful, it changes our fundamental understanding of reality. And we're not just all becoming woo monsters and sending energy and meditating and, and trying you know, to do good in the world. We're understanding that your impact, your love is significant. It's powerful. And we focus our priorities in a different kind of way. So when a child at school falls down and hurts themselves, instead of a lot of mean kids standing around laughing and pointing fingers, others would rush forward and start doing healing. Who will then be receiving the, the gratitude and the praise of, of most others who aren't being psychopathic, who care about the impact of other people? You see, we live in a society and you can really see this if you watch movies from the 30s and 40s and you see how, psychopath- how much psychopathic behavior there is in the movies where people are just being outright mean to one another and saying cruel things to each other just all the time. And how much the needle has changed right now in the movies where people are much more often expressing some kind of compassion or care for one another. And that's a, a, a small period of time relative to human existence. But it's a big shift, even though it isn't anywhere near as far as they'd want to see. When people start understanding that their love is a real thing, it's our most valuable resource in the world, then it can shift the priorities. And it's not just about people becoming healers or working in hospitals. It's about a fundamental attitude and belief about reality. Okay, so I'm, you know, maybe I'm going to throw you a curveball here. I don't know, or maybe Good. you've been asked it a, a dozen times. Considering what we're dealing with in the public sphere right now, particularly with in the White House, let's just say, mm-hmm. um, yeah. can this can this be? I mean, how does this play into that? I mean, what would be the the cure, so to speak, for? Yes. The, the, the venom that spews from the White House on a daily basis? Well, if you see the White House as like a, a, a boil, it's causing the body to realize that it's sick. And it's, let's just take the racism as a one of many kinds of examples. It's never been so blatantly played out since the, I guess, the 50s. And so it's really showing people what they don't want. And so there's going to be a backlash to this. And so people are going to want to heal the disease. That's all. Okay. But what I guess what I'm saying is um, I sort of assumed that and I know, you know, that's, you know, kind of a dangerous thing. <laughs> um, yes. But I sort of assumed that you, where you were going with the conversation was that as, as people, you know, uh, understand the power of their love, um, that they can use that to affect 
the outside world uh, and, you know, make things better. I guess what I'm wondering is, or, uh, you know, taking that idea, um, are you suggesting, you know, we can change what's happening out there in the world, you know, the inhabitants of the White House, for instance, by, uh, you know, sending love in that direction? Or am I just like totally in left field here? Uh, you may be in Wu land a little bit, but we we can definitely send the love. I don't expect much, but it's possible. I think that the ultimate thing is we have to look where leverage is. I'm not going to try to push the boulder up the hill. I'm going to find a boulder at the top of the mountain and let it go down. It doesn't take as much work. What we have leverage for is changing ourselves, changing our own consciousness, changing our beliefs, and then letting it spread like I'm going to be doing at the consciousness conference to meet the top scientists in the world to introduce a new concept that they don't believe because when a new belief enters the world, it takes a long time for it to make the rounds. Galileo wasn't forgiven by the church for about 350 years after he found out the earth was going around the sun, not the other way around. And he lived his life under house arrest. So he didn't have to get tortured and burned at the stake. So um, we're at a time where people are holding some very archaic and primitive beliefs. And it takes time for it to filter through society. And right now we're, we're seeing a form of hatred and ugliness, which is, which is creating an intense movement of people who say, no more, no mas. This is too much. We have, to create, we have to create the shift. And that's right along with what you and I are wanting to bring into the world. We're wanting to see a raising of the consciousness. But sometimes you don't do anything for the, uh, for the pain until you feel it. Nobody thinks right. about their health until they're feeling bad. We're feeling right. bad right. now because we, we see, you know, a, a, disease, a psychopathic behavior Um, and egotistic issues of toxic narcissism on unprecedented scale. And a lot of people can't see it, and that's all right. But the ones who do want to see it change really deeply, and that's going to motivate them to make things happen. Well, and and maybe it's making lemonade of lemons, but I, I really do feel that uh, shining light on what was really there, you know, in the mm-hmm. uh, consciousness of the country was a necessity, you know. And I think the, yeah. the guy in the White House is sort of just uh, the catalyst for that. You know, he's sort of just the the one turning the, the knob and upping the volume for, you know, for the record that was playing in the background that maybe people weren't aware of or people didn't want to pay attention to. And now we just can't ignore it anymore. You know, now we can't deny it. I guess that's, um, you know, maybe a better way to put it. You know, we have a better sense of the ugly out there and what needs to change and be fixed. Um, and now it's almost impossible to ignore it. So, you know, uh, people looking back on this time may say um, all of this ugliness we're going through in a way was a service, you know, was of service to, um, uh, you know, our evolution in a sense. 
know, I, I think that's that's probably the best way to hold it at this point because it certainly doesn't make us feel good, but it is it is creating the motivation to go to the doctor, so to speak. We got the, yeah, we got the, yes, absolutely. We 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 see the disease before us, and we say we can't live like this. We have to make a change. We want to live in a compassionate, loving society, and not some hate-filled place. Right, right. Uh, yeah, we want better. Now, you know, I, I uh, let's go back to your breakthroughs. You said that you had five yeah. major breakthroughs. I, would would that be a direction you want to go in? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. The first one was discovering that not only is the energy healing there, but you can actually see it with your eyes. Touch a person's hips or occiput, and the bones will move back into alignment. The second breakthrough was the discovery that I could cause that alignment through a kind of a meditation that I could teach people. And I could work on a hundred and, and, you know, maybe this is part of, not part of that breakthrough, but I could work on a hundred people simultaneously. And I did that at the smart life forum in Silicon Valley. And I uh, did it again at the university of Hong Kong on a keynote address. Um, so it's, it's, it's another breakthrough. A third breakthrough was the discovery that's in my latest book, which was that I could put that same energy intention into physical matter, uh, glass, plastic, rubber, whatever, and just touch somebody with a charged object and cause the alignment. Interestingly, if you hand them that object, it doesn't cause the alignment. It actually takes intention. And so I handed the object to people who know nothing about my work, and I said, just have the intention of aligning them and touch their shoulder or, or their elbow or anywhere, and they do, and it causes the alignment. The fourth breakthrough was what I've termed conscious entanglement, and that is if you have a group of objects and you join them together in your consciousness, anything you do to any one of the objects will affect them all. And I ran an experiment where uh, it's actually it'll take about five minutes to explain the whole thing. But essentially, I discovered that objects grouped together in consciousness will act as one. So now we have this pendant. And we have over 5,000 of our practitioners running their best healing energy into their own pendant. But I've joined them all together in consciousness. And we're seeing crazy results like somebody runs the pendant over the cat uh, back and tail and the cat's the adult cat's tail straightens out or a friend of mine uh, couldn't breathe through his right sinus. And I gave him a couple of pendants and he held them on his nose. And within five minutes, he's breathing through his right sinus. And he hadn't done that since he was a teenager. Okay. So that's a fourth breakthrough uh, of conscious entanglement. And the fifth breakthrough took me 30 years to figure out. And that was the self-created health, which has seven steps to it. The first step, it happened because I had a terrible flu back in 1980, and I found the emotional cause. I released the emotional pain and anger and hurt uh, around that pain, and within an hour, I had no symptoms whatsoever from gurgling, chest cough, high fever, sore throat, et cetera, et cetera, to no symptoms whatsoever an hour later. So. It, the second step, of course, is the release of the emotion. Everybody knows that's necessary. The third step was the dangerous step because if you don't know what the cause is, you can't release the emotion. And then trying to take responsibility is like trying to swallow a pill the size of a basketball. You can't do it. 
and you just beat yourself up and it becomes self-flagellation and then blaming the victim and stuff like that. So the third step is the insight. Yeah, they did it to me, but I've been doing it to myself ever since. And I've been hurting other people too, because I've been carrying this vibration. The fourth step is naturally from that one, the remorse. Wow. I really did hurt myself. This is terrible. And I've hurt others. And, and the fifth step is the self-forgiveness which leads to explosive, overwhelming self-love that turns into love of higher self, God, goddess, all that is. And, and not only do the symptoms go away, but people feel incredibly grateful that they had had the condition. And so these were the five breakthroughs that I've had in the last 45 years. Wow. I mean, you're going to uh, put doctors out of business, um, Richard. No, not at all. <laughs> no, the doctors are going to evolve. They're going to become functional medicine doctors where they're going to understand causes and not simply removing symptoms. There are so many exciting therapies and nutritional discoveries. You know, I got carded um, a few months ago. Uh, I was entering a golf tournament and they didn't think I was, they weren't and they made me pull out my driver's license, but they didn't know is that I'm turning 70. I'm stronger than I've ever been in my life. I have no joint pain. I'm on no medications. And so there's another process that I've done, and it's not a single breakthrough, but it's a whole series of things. And I call it the art of youthing, how to slow, potentially stop and reverse aging. And so it's a, it's wow. a, but the joke is that longevity takes a long time and it's not one single thing. You need to take a little bit of responsibility every week in a way that you hadn't done before. So I suggest people make a little tiny 2% change in their life every week. And by the end of the year, you've made 50 of these changes and you're on a completely different trajectory. And I'm always looking to see how can we up-level this game? How can we take it to the next step, go to the next, the next best thing we can find? And there's always another. And you just keep feeling better and better and, and stronger all the time. So, Will I come up with a sixth and seventh breakthrough? Don't know. Well, when you when you talked about uh, you know incorporating the two percent change, I mean, are you talking about stuff like well, you know, maybe cut cut out sugar or walk for yeah, thirty minutes kind of a day, those those sorts of things? Okay, okay, yeah, like, interesting. Like cut out cut out cut out grain. You know, that's that's a big mm-hmm. step. Or stop eating processed carbohydrates. That's huge, mm-hmm. a huge step for people. Stop eating, stop having soda. You know, mm-hmm. um, have, you know, have healthy fat in your diet. Just add this. Subtract that one. It's just, just one little mm-hmm. change. Could be a mm-hmm. huge mm-hmm. thing that'll take a completely different trajectory. Or spend five minutes a day feeling grateful. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, there's so many. And so, I don't know, I've, I've got... Um, maybe a, a hundred, 200 things. That's, it's another book that I'm going to be working on in the next couple of years is outlining a whole series of things. And you know, what's fascinating is you take people, scientists like Aubrey de Grey, who's this longevity scientist, and he has documented seven different pathways with which cells age. And these seven pathways can all be reduced to one word which is entropy, going from order to disorder, whether it's from inflammation or bacteria or bad DNA or whatever the problem is, it's all entropy. 
So there's something which is the opposite of going from order to disorder, and that's called syntropy or negentropy. So consider this. If you had a stack of blocks and they were piled up high, if you knocked them over, they went from order to disorder. But what does it take to put the blocks back? It takes energy, intention, and intelligence to put the blocks back. Well, we're working with life force energy. And people like Aubrey de Grey don't believe this exists. So they're studying everything else but the life force energy. Well, I've been running energy. This is one of the main things for over 40 years. I've been working with this energy ongoingly for decades and decades. And this is spiritual intelligence we're working with. This life force energy is our connection to source. And it can be utilized. You see, if we're working on a, on a paper cut or bringing down pain or inflammation, it's the body's spiritual intelligence that knows how to heal the nerves and the bones and the skin and everything else. We're, act, we're accessing that spiritual intelligence to slow, stop, and potentially reverse the aging process. And since the scientists don't believe this even exists, they're not looking at it. Well, that part I get, but how do you tell the average person or listeners out there how to tap into that spiritual intelligence? Well, that's easy. You know, they can take a quantum touch course. They can uh, watch a video on our website. They can read the book, Quantum Touch, Power to Heal. Um, and they can start doing it immediately. Everybody succeeds. It's the easiest skill that people can learn. It's totally available and uh, probably buy used copy for a couple bucks on Amazon. Uh, it's right there. Go to the library. Check it out for free. It doesn't matter. These things are available. And, but only because we live in a world that doesn't believe this is real is it seeming like esoteric information. This is, a, this is one of the – it's so basic and intrinsic to what we are that everybody can learn it right away. It's not a difficult or challenging thing. Okay, I'll show you something right now. If you hold up a finger, and and you're not driving a car, hopefully, uh, when you do this, but if you put all your attention into your finger and you focus on the sensations in the finger and you breathe as if you're breathing through that finger and and you see if you can feel how the skin is all around your finger and you see if you can feel your fingernail connected to your finger, Maybe even feel the tendons inside your finger or the blood pulsing through your finger. Keep breathing through that finger. Can you feel that finger vibrating or tingling or buzzing or pulsing or getting hot? Yeah. Yeah. You see, that's how we do it. We do it with intention and attention and breath. So we're learning how to move awareness through our body just kind of like you did with a finger. And we do the whole Hmm. body in waves, and that is accessing the life force energy. So it is intrinsic to our ability to breathe and feel our body. That's it. That's, that's the woo. <laughs> there is no woo, except that the spiritual energy is the woo, but you don't have to believe it. It still works. You don't have to believe in the ocean to get wet, but you've got to jump in. And we're just asking right. people to take that leap. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I have a really good friend who has been suffering for years with debilitating Lyme disease. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking, you know, this might be something that could be of use to her. Um, I I wonder if you've had, uh, you know, if you have any thoughts along those lines. Uh, I mean, have you treated anyone that's had, uh, you know, Lyme disease and the sort of, you know, debilitating symptoms that they have? I mean, they don't know from one day to the next if, you know, they're going to be able to get out of bed. We're putting together a free ebook with thousands of anecdotes of people with a wide range of conditions. And as I mentioned earlier, there's over 50,000 human conditions, so it's difficult to name them all. And what happens for one person isn't necessarily how another person is going to receive it. But, yeah, we've had stories of people who received relief, but you got to realize that Lyme disease is not probably going to be fixed from a single-energy healing session or maybe even a group of them because... Those little critters in there have a life and a mind of their own. So there are other solutions that people are discovering. Um, and some of the people doing this work, I think uh, I think Tim Ferriss has a lot to say about Lyme disease. And he's one of those biohackers, as is Dave Asprey. And I think Dave Asprey also has some interesting discoveries. But I want to use all the tools, not just energy healing. I want to use nutrition and stem cell therapies and whatever else is available to, to heal it. And there are people who are getting better, but they're making lifestyle changes and doing everything they know how to do and not just saying, okay, fix me. Take my, take my body to the garage and uh, put in a new carburetor. It's not that simple. Right. Um, so, Richard, who, did, who was the fellow you named before you said Dave Ashbury, who uh, might uh, be a good Ferris. source for the long yeah. uh, Tim? If, if you look uh, up how are you spelling? F-E-R-R-I-S or I-S-S. Tim Ferriss. He's okay. a very uh, famous uh, podcaster and author. He wrote the, uh, what's it called, The Four-Hour Workweek and a bunch of other books and a couple books. And what he likes to do is, take people on the leading edge and interview them and he's very success oriented so that's one of his major focuses but I think he he might have had Lyme disease himself or or he talks about it sometimes and I think Dave Asprey have discussed it as well but what they like to do is they like to take people who are on the leading edge and look at better solutions than the conventional ones that are being offered to the public okay um, well, getting back to uh, you and your books, um, you know, we're, we're coming up on the hour here, and I know there were probably so many directions we could have gone in, uh, it, it's, uh, uh, but I wonder, is there anything I, you'd, you'd like to share that maybe I didn't ask you that you think is important? I think, I think we've covered the most important aspects of it. The main thing is, that people need to realize that this isn't just hypothetical woo talk. This is something very practical that people can learn to do. And by taking a workshop, you can actually see and succeed. You know, it's funny. We have had a lot of employees working with Quantum Touch, and we don't ask them to get involved in the work, but they all get curious. And we have the, the latest one, uh, this woman, Chaya Silberstein, she 
became our editor for our newsletter and some other projects we gave her. And, and she got more and more curious because she's gathering all these stories. And then she takes a workshop and then she gets inspired. And now she's on fire with excitement because she sees this is a real solution. When people realize there's something that you can really do, it motivates mm-hmm. them to create a new life and a new future. And so her priorities about what she's going to do in her life have been radically shifted. Now, um, your website is quantumtouch.com. If listeners Mm -hmm. wanted to find some of these workshops, would they go to quantumtouch.com? Yeah, we've got practitioners all over the world. We've got workshops all over the world. We've got hundreds of instructors teaching the work. I'm not teaching that much anymore because every time I teach, people fly in from everywhere to learn from me as if I knew something that they didn't know. And so I'm mostly interested now in in research and development of the work and and things like this. But, yeah, we've got instructors and practitioners all over the place, and we have resources where people can learn uh, without going to a workshop as well. So, but And then we also have these pendants now that are charged and entangled. And when people receive their own pendant, they can actually put in their love, their gratitude, their peak experiences, their uh, special talents, gifts, and abilities into their own pendant and realize that every single pendant in the world is now being charged with what they have. And we're learning how to receive them from the pendants as well. So this is a whole new kind of technology that didn't exist previously. So it's, it's almost like a healing net. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I think my final question, Richard, is if let's let's just assume for a moment that um, you know life changes in the next few decades and people aren't mm-hmm. having to spend uh, you know the 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 larger part of their life like a hamster on a wheel. Uh, to, you know, you know, we we we're, we're not so interested in being uber consumers anymore, and uh, mm-hmm. you know maybe we're looking looking for a better quality of life and maybe we don't have to work a 50 or a 60 hour week uh, to you know keep the roof over our head or the food on the table if, if we could just you know like um, have a blank blank canvas and imagine mm-hmm. what the what the life of the person of the future would look like um, from the time they wake up in the morning until the time they go to bed at night what do you think are the new um, innovations they may be doing every day, like we get up and brush our teeth now. You know, what will, what mm-hmm. will, you know, what will be the new routines that the person, the evolved person of the future, will be doing? You know, it's just, um, uh, you know, uh, in the course of their day. Uh, you know, but 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 they just you know, do it because, you know, that's what we do now, you know. I mean, um, you know, would it be, uh, you know, they spend the first, you know, the first 10 minutes in gratitude or meditation well, that would be nice. or, you know, it, I, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm just wondering I think, if okay. you've thought about I, I this. Think that, I think that what would happen is people would be more focused on their inspiration rather than desperation. And so they would be doing things to follow their passion and their compassion 
rather than their compulsions. That, hey, that came out as if I had written it. But That's nicely would, said. You should go write that down before you forget. <laughs> I, I already, <laughs> but that's, that's really what I believe. You see, we live in a world where people feel like they have to rather than they choose to. And everything mm-hmm. that's motivated by your joy, your love, your gratitude, your desire to create rather than simply produce, your desire to be inspired rather than to survive. And that's where I see the better potential of a future, where it doesn't mean that you ha- everybody has to walk around wear, you know, wearing white and lighting candles and doing a lot of woo things. No. Like, I knew this guy years ago, Elmer Green. He was sort of the father of biofeedback. And every morning when he woke up, he couldn't wait to get into his lab and do more experiments about biofeedback and discover what was actually there because he was motivated by his joy of discovery and his service. This is where I see humanity moving. And even though it's like we're talking generalities, I think we can move in this direction, just like you see the dialogue in the 1930s in the movies where people are just being mean. I think we can see people becoming more loving and compassionate in a general sense and very specifically, of course. Maybe we'll actually have a leader who cares about people. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? And and uh, yeah. and everything wouldn't be be about the benefit of corporations and uh, you know filling the coffers of the military industrial complex. <laughs> um, yeah, you well, noticed well, you that know, when too. You, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you said that, it reminded me of you know I'm an old Trekkie. And um, I remember, you know, part of the new society was, um, uh-huh. you know, people, you know, uh, uh, you know, people weren't motivated by greed anymore. We got beyond that, right. and people were yeah. were free to follow their inspiration and their passion. And um, you know, and, and you know, maybe that's a, you know, it's a shame we, you know, that that's not a prime time television show anymore. You know, putting out those uh, ideas in people's head anymore but I don't know I think it might come back round um, you know because people I think, right. I think at some point yeah I mean people have to start hearing other people say well what about your quality of life you know I mean when was mm-hmm. the last time someone asked you about your quality of life and what inspires you and um, I mean I don't know I, I, maybe it's just the circles I run in but most of the people I know they're tired of being a hamster on a wheel they're tired of being good little consumers you know they really think that life was intended uh, you know for other more important joyous things than the mundane life that most of us um, you know most of us lead I couldn't agree with you more. This is exactly where we're heading because whenever you have a disease, your priority is to do something about it. And we feel the suffering of, of being around the toxic narcissist, for example. And so we want something better. And this is the motivation. We're motivated by our pain, which motivates desires. We're also motivated by love and gratitude. So people will either change based on love and gratitude or anger. And when we decide that we can actually grow by being motivated from love and gratitude, we'll make uh, an accelerated uh, 
changes on the planet faster than we could ever have imagined. Sounds good to me, Richard. <laughs> well, listen, um, you uh, you have inspired me tonight, and uh, I'm sure you've inspired uh, many of my listeners as well. I just want to thank you for your work out there in the world, and uh, also well, thank encourage uh, and and encourage you know my listeners to go to the website. Um, you know uh, what is it? QuantumTouch.com. And uh, yes. look at your books, Quantum Touch, The Power to Heal, and The Secret Nature of Matter. And what was the other one about the polarity in your hands? Um, oh, yeah, was that, that was title? the one that came out in 1978. It's still a good book. It's called uh, Your Healing Hands, The Polarity Experience. And then there was Quantum Touch 2.0, The New Human, with new human abilities that we didn't know we had. Well, I think that's that's uh, something pretty cool to look forward to. Well, Richard, thank you. I appreciate you being on the show and, and sharing your wisdom and opening our minds to what can be. Uh, because, you know what, until we, um, you know, it, it, we'll never manifest these things unless we begin to think about them. Um, so I appreciate, uh, appreciate your vision and uh, sharing all of this great new information. It really gives us hope. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Okay. Well, good night, Richard, and best of luck with all your work. And uh, I'm going to keep tabs on you. <laughs> well, all right. Thank you. Me too. Thank you. Thanks again. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that was a genuinely hopeful uh, outlook there, and we certainly could use that in uh, in these days. Uh, I believe uh, believe we'd all agree. Um, and uh, before I say good night to you, uh, my dear listeners, uh, I have a word from Joe Carson. Most people see humankind is really separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or a tree. And I came out of it. This is my mother planet. I grew out of this earth. As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course. Well, you've been listening to the trailer for Dancing with Gaia, uh, which is Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film. In it, she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about Earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of goddess as Gaia. Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot the film, and these spiritual sites from northern Scotland to central Turkey, well, you know, they profoundly affected the origins of Western culture. So, if you've always wanted to see them yourself but haven't, this is a great opportunity to experience some of the best ones and get their story. The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini-book, which goes even deeper into the material. You can buy the DVD and the booklet for only $20 at DancingWithGaia.com. And, you know, Joe's got another book uh, out uh, besides the DVD and booklet, Dancing with Gaia. She's also got Celebrate Wildness. And um, I want to tell you what Dana Corby said about Celebrate Wildness uh, in her Rant and Raven blog. Dana said, 
When people wonder aloud how the Wicca of Southern California became so much more nature-oriented and wild than the British traditions from which it arose, the one factor they didn't take into account but should is theraferia. Theraferia, a word Fred Adams coined from Greek roots meaning wilderness festival, is a pagan tradition unlike any other. Based on Fred's visions of the divine feminine, the sacredness of Eros, and the potential for intentional communities that truly do no harm to anything, it also draws upon themes familiar to Wiccans, such as sacred landscapes, prehistoric beliefs, and the fairy faith. Fred intended that Feriferia should lead the world into a paradisal future in which freedom, eros, and play are the core values, where that built by human hands merges seamlessly into the wild and the fey romp among us. Celebrate Wildness is a unique, exquisite, and profound book. It created a sort of homesickness, a wistfulness for the idealist I was, says Dana Corby. We all were back when we and the world and the magic were all young and fresh. Though it's a short book at only 115 pages, they are filled with art. Don't expect to read it quickly. Take your time. Let it sink into your subconscious, and what bobs to the surface will be marvelous. Celebrate Wildness is an oversized hardbound book on heavy paper, and it's available for $45 from farahferia.org, farahferia.org. Well, dear listeners, um, I hope uh, you were inspired by um, uh, Richard's um, uh, revelations tonight. Uh, I know I certainly was. Um, I think before too long I'm going to go take a look at that website, Quantum Touch, and uh, look into these practices that um, you know he's described that have been uh, so profoundly helpful, and I hope you will too. Um, so I guess that uh, just about does it uh, for me for tonight. Uh, next week, I will be back with you uh, on Wednesday, the 14th. Uh, yes, uh, that is Valentine's Day, and I will have Janet Mc, uh, McGeever on the show. Uh, and Janet and I uh, are going to be talking about her, her book, uh, Tantric Sex and Menopause, Practices for Spiritual and uh, Sexual Renewal. Uh, I think that's something uh, that a lot of you out there will want to hear. So please uh, be sure you uh, you tune in uh, either on uh, Valentine's Day night or later from the archives. And uh, also, too, uh, please remember... Uh, to go to the follow button on the show page and click it, and that way you uh, will get word of every new show every week. And um, I'd also like to invite you to uh, go to my own website, karentate.com. If you go there, you can find out about uh, all my special offers and books and take advantage of the free meditations and find out um, what I'm up to and where I might be uh, speaking or giving workshops. Uh, and there's also a lot of uh, free information there, and uh, it lists a lot of the talks that I give too if you'd like to invite me to come to your town. Okay, uh, well, we started out the night uh, with a bit of music from uh, the Reclaiming uh, Campfire uh, songs, and uh, I think I want to go uh, back to that because we really only heard sort of the tip 
uh, you know, the tip of the iceberg, if you will. Uh, let's see, and I think the one we were listening to was Wake Again. Uh, so I want to uh, hear a little bit more of that, and uh, maybe you uh, will enjoy uh, hearing that too. So it's only about a minute and a half. Uh, this is Wake Again from Reclaiming's uh, Campfire Chants. Good night, and until next Wednesday. Wake again, wake again, wake again, life is calling to you, wake Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.